All right, Spruce Point Capital founder and CIO, Ben Axler, welcome back on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I think maybe last time I was on, we were talking about Skechers and, uh, you know, some of the warnings we saw with the sneaker companies and the news on Nike today sort of uh, foretold some of the streams we saw uh, in the in the segment. Yeah, those high inventories, definitely not something that you want to be seeing continuously, especially in something like a shoe company. So let's get into now Broadridge. Of course, the first thing I want to ask more is first tell us about what Broadridge really does and why you don't see it as a SaaS or fintech company. Sure. So Broadridge is, is an old line company. It's been around for a while, spun out of ADP in 2007. Um, they're thought of as, as sort of a backbone player in the financial service industry. So if you uh, uh, own a mutual fund, you know, there's certain regulatory filings that a mutual fund has to provide. So they'll help distribute, you know, those documents. Like, likewise, if you're a stock owner um, and you get a proxy statement, you know, they have a proxy service business to make sure um, that you get those financial documents. But um, the issue that we see here is, you know, at the core, these are fairly low margin businesses. I mean, printing and distributing documents is, is not... Um, a, a fintech business. It's what we consider a business process outsourcing company. And, you know, if you look at their gross margins, I think that's where the rubber hits the road. You know, if you were a fintech or in a high quality, you know, software as a service um, fintech, you would be doing gross margins of 70% or 80%. You know, here the company does uh, about 28%. Uh, likewise, um, they talk about their recurring revenue. Why do they call it recurring? Well, you know, again, you know, um, mutual funds have to every quarter, every year, every semi-annual produce these documents. So it's sort of recurring. But, you know, our contention is it's not high quality recurring because there's no pricing power. Um, a lot of the, the the prices and the fees they get um, are regulated. Um, and so there's no, um, you know, there's no inflationary adjustments here. It's mostly a volume business um, and they don't carry a lot of deferred revenue like you would expect to a SaaS company. So, you know, we think, again, there's a misperception here of them claiming to be a high quality fintech, you know, SaaS like business. And, and we kind of see it the opposite way. Also stated in the report is a shrinking ecosystem. What seems to be showing up here that seems to be getting unwrapped? Right. So, I mean, um, consolidation, you know, is a negative for them. And what we see is uh, increasing customer concentration. And, and you know, we also see them changing a little bit their disclosures. And we can talk about some broader issues there, you know, when companies start to change the goalposts or the metrics or the disclosures they give that's generally a red flag. But, you know, the industry ha has shrunk. As you can see, there's fewer corporate issuers than there were um, a number of years ago. There's fewer um, institutional investors. There's fewer broker dealers. So, you know, consolidation, um, from a financial service industry and a more concentration of customers gives gives your customers more more leverage over you. And that's uh, one of our big concerns. Now, one major flag that is pointed out in the report, and I'd have to agree, it seems like a red flag for myself also, is the mention of the multi-year suspension of free cash flow. Yes. And also the CFO resigned, right? And so Correct. why is this a red flag to Spruce Point? And and why should we be really worried about kind of getting that suspension of free cash flow off? Correct. So um, he resigned in 2020. Um, and that year, the, the cash flow guidance that they give, they missed it incredibly by like 20%. And 
And then, you know, going forward, they suspended it, but the cash flow has been going down. And that we think is, is tied to a, a project they announced with UBS. And UBS is a material customer and UBS, you know, is a big financial service and uh, company, but in particular, they tied their fortunes to the wealth management business at UBS. And UBS's wealth management business, their advisors have been shrinking over time and they have um, uh, partnered with them to build out a new wealth management platform, okay? And uh, they that project, uh, we believe, has taken much longer and cost significantly amount uh, uh, more money than, than they expected. Um, and the company won't disclose, and this is a red flag, they will not disclose how much they've spent on the UBS project, but we can estimate it at about a billion dollars. And we think, you know, based upon some revenue projections of $70 million a year that they get from UBS, and we run an MPV analysis, we think that project's underwater, meaning they'll never be able to recruit <laughs> that investment. So they need to impair it and start expensing um, the incremental costs. And if they were to do that, their EBITDA would go down and we believe they, they would trip a debt covenant. Mm, that's interesting there. Now, I did see a bunch of revisions uh, being mentioned in the report. Can you tell us a little bit about this and why we should be concerned? I'm sorry, uh, which revisions specifically? Uh, so I see a, a bunch of revisions. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not like it's one, uh, but we, there is there is a bunch of revisions made in uh, the TAM. I saw the TAM get changed. I saw Correct. also a percentage on um, what the allowance adjustment. Um, and right. so tell us a little bit about this. Right, right, right. So um, one of the key metrics that management often talks about is their closed sales. Um, and they like to say, you know, we've closed, um, call it 300 million of sales this year. And, um, and they, you know, they then, uh, just because they close a sale doesn't mean they book a revenue. And in fact, we saw this with the UBS in 2018 when they announced the partnership. Included in that closed sales number was about 40 million of UBS revenue. But guess what? We're, it's not going to be until 2023 until they actually book revenue. So that, we have some concerns about that closed sales metric. They also have to make an allowance for you know, closed sales that won't convert. And if you look historically, that allowance keeps growing and growing and growing, you know, me meaning that historically fewer and fewer of these closed sales are actually converting to revenue. They've also stopped disclosing a portion of their backlog. Um, the TAM revision is also an important one too. They recently, just in the past couple of weeks, increased their TAM by 15%. And they didn't give any justification why. And it makes almost no sense because here we are headed into an economic recession and they're, they're not recession proof but yet they're claiming their TAM is growing. So, you know, it's challenging, you know, we're trying to challenge the underlying assumptions that management is putting out, challenge the numbers. Um, and we see a lot of holes in, in, you know, in the numbers, whether it be the TAM or the quality of the closed sales metrics that they present. Now, another thing that clearly is stated in the report is their recent levered acquisition, right? Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about this acquisition and how they're kind of, giving some lofty expectations that you guys don't see will actually come to fruition. Correct. So, um, you know, this is a big issue that uh, we're going to see this time in this economic cycle versus previous ones. So, you know, Broadridge historically, again, thought of as a defensive company, sort of a, in the financial plumbing um, network, but they've generally carried no debt. Um, now um, they levered up, uh, put over, you know, $2.2 billion of incre incremental debt on the balance sheet. 
Um, and they paid 10 times revenues for a Swedish company called Activity, which was only growing mid-single digits to expand into front office capital markets, software connectivity. You know, again, capital markets slowing down. They bought a, they bought a business tethered to something that's not economically insensitive. But, you know, here we are now um, headed into a recession. They have a record amount of debt. They have a record low amount of cash. Um, they've been growing their dividends. So they have a record low amount of excess free cash flow to pay down this debt. And so uh, the, and the, the operating uh, cost structure of the business has risen. So, you know, we warn investors that maybe maybe 10 years ago, this was more of a defensive business, but now you have a lot of debt on it, right? And you have uh, slowing growth. We have evidence that they're losing customers. Um, they've retracted a core um, metric they've given called uh, recurring cl- uh, customer revenue retention, uh, which was at sort of like 98%. They no longer state that in their SEC filings. So we see evidence of them losing customers. And so we think we think this time around, this is less of a defensive company and investors are going to uh, need to brace for, for more downside given the leverage. Now stated in the report also is a high likelihood of that that Broadridge is under regulatory scrutiny from the SEC. Why do you guys feel this? I did see the letter that was stated there that they received SEC comments questioning the disclosure of the closed sales. And then a response came to the SEC that just caused a little bit more questions on the CFO. What happened here? Right. So they did, in fact, get an SEC comment letter. Um, but we looked, we took a more holistic view to kind of see what, what's happening with the personnel changes, what's happening um, with some of their policies and programs. And one of the things that got us very concerned was looking at their code of ethics uh, policy. Uh, they've made four revisions to it um, since right around the time when the CFO left. And each time, you know, they're using a little bit more worrisome language, in, including the word fraud in the policy. And in the late, latest iteration, giving explicit guidance about how to how to deal with a uh, regulatory inquiry. Like if you get a call, you know, don't answer, direct it to the legal department. So you kind of see things like that. You also see a change to the clawback policy, meaning that, you know, if there's a financial accounting restatement that they can take back money from executives, that was just added, um, that emphasis on accounting uh, restatement. You know, there's also a third party um, in the market called Probes Reporter. And, uh, you know, we recommend people go to that website. He specializes in filing freedom of information requests with the SEC. And based upon his analysis, um, he put Broadridge on his watch list, believing that they've they've had an SEC um, uh, investigation. So, you know, there's a number of data points. It's kind of like reading the tea leaves. But, you know, given everything we're seeing here, we think there's definitely a high likelihood they've come under SEC scrutiny. So I'll just say it how it is. Why is Broadridge overvalued? It's so it's trading at um, almost four times revenues at 16 times EBITDA. But you know, that, in our view, puts it, you know, sort of on par with um, financial technology peers. But again, 40% of this business, we think, is tied to low margin to no margin, just business process outsourcing, like printing uh, printing and distributing proxy statements or credit card statements. So they actually are, uh, they work with American Express. Uh, if you have an MX credit card, uh, they're the ones, you know, distributing the, the printed monthly statements. I mean, Again, not great business, 40% of the revenue is tied to that. So we value 40% of the revenue at a very lower multiple, you know, a, a one to 1.2 times revenue multiple consistent with other business process outside printing companies. And then on the, 
the technology, the quote unquote technology piece of the business, we put a slightly higher multiple two and a half to three times. And you value the sum of the parts there. And, you know, we get 65 to 70%, 75% downside risk. Now I'll leave you the floor here to make any comments on any of the other short reports that you guys have put out or any other concerns that you have on Broadridge that you'd like to mention. I think the biggest concern is, look, I mean, you know, we put out a pretty pointed report um, that one would think the management would want to get ahead of and respond to and discredit or, or kind of refute some of our key findings. And we've heard nothing at all from the management. So if I'm a shareholder, I'm thinking, well, you know, <laughs> you know, why, why aren't they defending, you know, why aren't they defending themselves here? So that, you know, the, 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 the silence is pretty deafening. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, we would like to see, obviously, if we're wrong for the company to tell us where we're wrong, um, because we certainly would fix our conclusions if we were proven wrong. Um, so that's a big concern. Um, otherwise, again, I, I think, you know, if you look at our recent calls, um, many of them are playing out. We also talked about Skechers, um, which is moving lower, obviously, in a, a weak numbers from Nike. We also warned about Generac, if you recall, the uh, standby power generator company, um, even despite a big hurricane, um, which generally stimulates demand for backup power. I mean, the stock's still under pressure. I mean, we kind of warned that they have no capacity and that they're under their alternative energy business is under pressure. They lost the distributor subsequent to um, to our report and Generax uh, hit a new 52-week low. So um, I think, you know, we're broadly consistent with all of our reports. We stick to our guns. We certainly uh, are going to be sticking to our guns on, on Broadridge. And we hope to have a follow-up call with you and, uh, and report back that the stock's down 50% or more. Hey, we'll definitely wait and bring you back on like always, but we'll see how the story plays out. I do got to say that you guys give an expansive report there. So if you guys out there want to go ahead and look at it yourself as investors, take a look. 81 pages. It doesn't seem like it was something that was taken lightly and an extensive report there that you guys given. So I appreciate you coming on today, Ben Axler, Spruce Point Capital Management founder and CIO. We'll definitely have you back on, Ben. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you. Have a great one.